Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Bert, middle initial is L, not Elbert one word, but middle initial L. And I am tremendously thankful that you're listening today. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the book of Nehemiah. And you know, this book holds so much hope. Right in the midst of genuine opposition and real hard times, there's this wonderful truth that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you're ready, I'm ready to jump into this part of the podcast. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show, part of the Spark Network, now playing on the Edify app. Today's show is sponsored by the devotional God's Best from My Life by Lloyd John Ogilvie. It's available via Moody Church Media, and the link to purchase your copy is going to be right at the very tippy top of the show notes. If you need a new devotional for the upcoming year for 2024, or maybe you're looking for a Christmas gift, this devotional is worth reading. It's powerful in that it is life-changing and based solidly on the Bible. Everything is based solidly on the Word of God. You know, I'm a God's Word kind of girl, so I don't recommend stuff that's like overly fluffy or um, filler. This is a good quality, life-changing devotional. It's on my list to give as a gift to several people this year because it's a game changer. And this is episode number 168. All right, so Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Today I'm reading from my Christian Standard Bible, my Spurgeon Study Bible, and uh, I'm going to read, um, I'm just going to jump right in and start reading the verses, and then we're going to talk about it. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, What are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break down their stone wall. Okay, so the header for this chapter, chapter 4, is titled Progress in Spite of Opposition. Anybody feel like they're up against some opposition right now? You're trying to make progress, maybe in your finances, and you feel like the economy is fighting you, in your health, uh, but man, it's hard this time of year like to make changes or to find time to get to the gym or uh, to cut out your favorite crafted coffee. Like, you know, recently we were in Florida over Thanksgiving and we had some good coffee while we were there at a place that we really love. And it would not have been easy to give up good coffee right before heading down south for that trip, knowing that I would have the opportunity to buy coffee at one of my favorite places if I had been like, well, I gave it up. Ooh, man, that would be like not good timing. That'd be tough. What about trying to make progress? 
in your life in some area, but it's for God's glory. You're trying to do kingdom work. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in your neighborhood. Say in your family, you're trying to do family devotions, like, right? Like Christmas and nightly Advent devotions. Like sometimes people start like before the new year. It's Christmas. We're going to start doing Advent. And then we're going to roll into the new year as a family doing regular devotions. But you've got like um, a kid or two that they're just like rolling their eyes at you. And they're in opposition to this. They don't want to do this. It's a fight. And it's hard. You're trying to keep the neighborhood outreach going, perhaps, right? Like neighborhood block parties or something, or there's been some kind of a, I don't know, group text, just whatever it may be. You're trying to keep it going, but like nobody else is really moving forward with it anymore. They're not helping out. They're just kind of all done. And it's just hard because you're like, do I keep going? Do I not keep going? Okay, you get the picture. We all have these times of opposition. We just do. But Are we making progress in spite of it? Remember the header for this chapter, progress in spite of opposition. Are we making progress in spite of the opposition? Now, not everything that we decide to work on is something God's going to bless. That's worth noting because sometimes we're selfish. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes we know he wants us to go over here and do this certain thing. But those people over there where he wants us to go, they're difficult and so, you know, let me just go this away. I'm going to go on over this away and I'm going to start doing this other thing over here. And God, won't you just bless it the same as you would if I'd done what you said to do? That's the real thing sometimes. There are times that we're doing good-ish stuff, but it isn't God-ish stuff, if you will. He didn't ask us to do this stuff, even though it's good. He said to go do that other thing. Or we never even asked him. There's another thing that happens. We're doing this stuff, but we never even bothered to talk to him about it, to take it to him, to ask him, do you want me to do this? Yes or no? Like David did that. We can do that. We just jumped in, started this new thing. It's way more than we bargained for. We don't feel like he's given us much favor. And now we're like uh, feeling stuck and trapped and That's a little overwhelming. Got to talk to our father about these things, my friends. We just need to do that. It should be a must. It's vital that we know what his will is in any and every situation. Talk to the Lord. And you also have got to do what he says. Not enough to just talk to him. Listen to hear what he might say. Then you have to do what he says to do and ideally do it quickly because obedience just matters so very much. I've got something that I'm going to do this week. It's a busy week. It's been getting busier and busier by the second, but this thing is going to get done because God said to do it. So by the start of next week, I will have it done because that's the timeline that he's given me and I am going to obey him. I want his blessing. I want his favor. And uh, I also want to make progress in spite of opposition. Satan is against us. He's against us because we are part of the family of God. So we're going to have opposition. I want progress in spite of the opposition we're going to have. In the verses that we read today in Nehemiah, we see two men who are, they're just like on a tear. They're against Nehemiah. They're against all the Jewish people who are back in Israel. They're doing this rebuilding work. These are not nice or polite guys in these verses. And they don't get nicer or more polite as the book continues. Why do we expect opposition to be nicer and tidier and neater and politer? That's not a word, but whatever. And more manageable and not so mean when we're dealing with it. 
when we're dealing with it because we obey the Lord. It's not a surprise when we're like out there going rogue, like, yep, okay, yeah, there's there's some there's some stuff coming at me. You don't expect that to be pretty and tidy and nice and polite. But when we're doing the Lord's will, sometimes we have like this bizarre expectation that our opposition will be polite. You know, it's it's just not nice, the opposition we get. I don't know why we have that expectation. I'm speaking from personal experience and from a whole lot of observation of Christians, not just the ones I know up close and personal, but I'm a reader. I read a lot. I've read a lot of of stuff historically about Christians. This is kind of a thing like where it's like, man, that took me by surprise. I don't know. Maybe it shouldn't take us so much by surprise when it's just like there's a meanness to the opposition. It's just not nice. It's not polite. And often it can come from the back, the sides, the flanks. It's not always head on directly where we can see it coming and we can kind of ready ourselves and prepare for it. Nehemiah, he kept working alongside many others. And he also prayed that these attacks that were coming against them, that they would be stopped and that their attackers would be dealt with. That's what we read in verse, um, well, just read chapter, I guess, read maybe the whole chapter, Nehemiah chapter 4, but in verse 13, we find that the things got so rough that Nehemiah stationed people around the vulnerable areas and the lowest sections of the walls, and he gave them swords and spears and bows. He also reminded them not to be afraid of their enemies, but to remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord as they fought for their countrymen and their families and their homes. You can see that in verse 14. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. That way of thinking, pausing, slowing down, being intentional, choosing to remember the Lord, that should inspire us to awe. Not just like, hmm, that's nice. No, like we should be in awe. I stand amazed I am in awe. He is awesome. And we ought to be in awe of him. Every so often, take some time to stand in awe, to stand amazed and to ponder just who this God is that you know and serve and love. Do you need some courage? This is one way to find it, to remember the Lord and stand in awe of him. Not courage based on others. It's not based on yourself, not based on circumstances, but courage in the Lord. In chapter four, we see that they did the rebuilding work with a trowel in one hand. So yes, this is like manual labor they were doing, right? It's like literally rebuilding this wall. Like a trowel is used for bricklaying work, masonry. They had the trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. They were working. They were ready to fight and defend themselves. And they were reliant on God. The end of this chapter says they never removed their weapon, even when washing. This threat was real. Listen, you may feel like pushed on. Maybe sometimes you feel like you're under a heavy spiritual weight. You're, you, you just feel like the threat, the attack, it's, it just feels so real, probably because it is real. And maybe you can't see it with the naked eye, but much like the servant with Elisha in the Old Testament, like he didn't see it until Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he might see. And then he could see the um, enemy surrounding him and the angelic warriors surrounding them. Like he could see things in the realm. He could see what he couldn't see. Like he had physical enemies that he could see. What he could not see was were the angelic, um, just the warriors surrounding them. And then his fear went away. This is Elisha's servant. So if we apply that to this in Nehemiah, and if we apply it to our own lives and we really um, think about it, there's a lot we 
can't see. There probably was a lot Nehemiah couldn't see. I'm going to guess that Sanballat and Tobias and the others who were against them, they weren't like worked up probably completely of their own volition. Like there was a dark enemy force that hates God and hates his people that was getting them wound up. They were being animated by something. They were getting them spun up. If you have kids or you grew up with siblings, you know what it's like when one is doing the provoking. They're getting y'all spun up and eventually going to react. Like this happens in the spiritual realm too. You may not be able to see your threat, but you feel it. You perceive it. It could still be very real. It, it almost certainly is very real. It's okay if you need to do your daily work with one hand, like, um, you know, while you're keeping your spiritual weapon in the other. Does that make sense? Like they're working the trial with this hand. They got a sword in the other hand. You, you can keep your spiritual armor on. Put on the full armor of God. If you haven't done that in a while or you want to know where that is in the Bible, it's in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter 6. Get in the word of God daily. Pray daily. Don't just give God your list. Here it is. Take care of this. Bye. And then sign off. But listen for what he might say to you, how he may answer you. You just don't quite know when or how God's going to answer you. So be sure you quiet yourself, still yourself before him, humble yourself before him and listen for what he might speak to you. Put on worship music. You know, these are all good ways to keep a weapon in your hand. You can have worship music playing quietly while you're working. Maybe not in every scenario and maybe it's distracting for you, but for some people, that's very doable. That's a weapon. Your worship is a weapon. The enemy is real. He hates Jesus. And so he also hates you because you belong to Jesus. Use the weapons that God has given you. Don't feel bad about it. We don't fight against people. Our enemies are not in the spiritual realm. You're not taking up a sword to go, you know, jab at that really annoying coworker. Now, remember that who you're fighting against is like your enemies and spiritual forces in the spiritual realm. Ask the Lord to protect you and to help you. Nehemiah prayed for that. You can pray for that. Okay, we're going to jump to chapter 8. And here we find the people all gathered. It says all, all Israel. They're all gathered together. And Ezra, from the last episode, we talked about Ezra. He's reading here in chapter 8 from the book of the law of Moses. And he was reading from daybreak until noon before all the people. Verse 3, the second half of that verse says, All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. That's Nehemiah 8, verse 3, part B. When you're at church, do you listen attentively or distractedly? Like You know, I have to say, this is in total and complete honesty. We don't listen as attentively as we ought to. Lots of reasons for this. Most of them you already know, and you do not need me to, you know, run through the list that you've heard a million times. But I will say this. Church hurt is a real thing. Some folks are in the church every week. They're there. They're serving in some capacity, but they've got some hurt from prior experiences. And they love Jesus and they love his people, but they've been through some stuff. And honestly, I I really do believe there's a certain portion of the inattentive quote-unquote listening that we find is linked to this. Keep attending church if this is you. Keep praying. Keep reading your Bible. Keep listening for the Spirit of the Lord to speak to you. Keep allowing space in your life for God to bring you healing. That's really all I want to say on this issue right now, but I don't think I'm wrong that there are walking wounded in our churches, and some of those wounds have come from within the body of Christ. Thank you 
I mean this. Thank you to those who are in church, even when you've been hurt. I'm glad you're there, and I'm not the only one who's glad you're there. I'm going to say a we for all of us who are glad you're there. We are glad you're there. Please keep coming to church. Okay, you know, maybe the promise for us is from from this book. Maybe if I could say there's a promise for us for this episode, because there's a lot in Nehemiah that that we could grab hold of. Uh, But for this episode, it could be that we can rebuild. Isn't that a great promise? We can trust God again, and then again, and again. We can serve alongside people, even those who are also rebuilding and recovering from a long, hard season. We see this in Nehemiah. They're working side by side. They have their families there, so they're rebuilding their family life, their their life as Jews in their homeland, and they're rebuilding the wall alongside other people who are also rebuilding after a long, hard season. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to get things all worked out before we show up. We don't have to hide out and avoid the rebuilding work God has for us to do because we feel like maybe I'm not fully um, well or strong yet. I'm still... I'm still in a bit of a recovery phase. We don't have to hide. We live in a hurting society and God is being rejected and pushed aside in our society pretty much at every turn. There are a thousand areas where we can see rebuilding would be helpful. Pray and ask God if he's got a work for you to do, to be a part of, to join in, in the world in which you live. I mean, like, where, what realm are you living in? I don't live... At 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's not my realm. I live in Wichita, Kansas. And so uh, this is the place where I ask him about. I podcast and it and it reaches around the globe. That's also the realm I ask him about. Ask him about like what this looks like for you in your life, in your stage of life right now, your workplace, your family, your local church, your neighborhood. As he leads, you follow. If it's a work that requires you to build with a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other, that's okay. It has happened before with great success. And the God who brought about that success, he does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who he is does not shift. We can ask him to help us. And we know that he will hear that prayer and he will answer it. He'll help us in our time of need. If you need some part of your life to be rebuilt. Would you be brave enough to believe that God cares for you about that exact area of your life so incredibly much that he's going to do the rebuilding work that needs to be done in the way that he knows best, in the time frame that he chooses, and with the means and the resources and the people and the ways that he decides. Sometimes we've just been so hurt, we don't even realize that we never asked him to help us or to heal us to rebuild. Go ahead and ask. He's so good. And his love for you knows no bounds, zero bounds. That's the kind of boundaries that are on God's love for you. None, nil. Rebuild in us and through us, Lord. That's my prayer today. Do what you do best, Father. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you'll be back here next time. I'm so grateful for the time you give to listen to the podcast. I pray it encourages and blesses you, and I am praying that you have a blessed, Christ-centered entire month of December leading up to the time we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus and then moving on into the coming year. Lord bless you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day, and remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.